Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of hyperthermia and heat injuries found under the cardiovascular section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 16-year-old football player is brought to the school nurse by his teammates with extreme fatigue and altered mental status in early August. He refuses to be evaluated by a sports coach. Temporal temperature is 103 degrees Fahrenheit or 39.4 degrees Celsius. With restraining support from the teammates, the nurse records a rectal temperature of 105 degrees Fahrenheit or 40.5 degrees Celsius. The nurse informs the coach and quickly removes the athlete's equipment and clothing to facilitate cooling. The nurse then calls the ambulance to transfer the patient to the local hospital. His pre-transfer rectal temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Let's continue with an introduction to hyperthermia and heat injuries. Hyperthermia refers to elevation of core body temperature due to failure of thermoregulation. However, it is not a fever. Fever is induced by cytokine activation during inflammation and is regulated by the hypothalamus. However, it is difficult to distinguish hyperthermia from fever. Heat-related illnesses can be multifactorial. They can be exertional, such as in athlete overexertion. They can be non-exertional, such as in the case of elderly people with dementia or in immobile patients. They can be medication-induced, such as with the use of anticholinergic and neuroleptic medications. Remember that heat exhaustion and heat stroke definitions overlap. Heat exhaustion is defined as having a temperature equal to or less than 104 degrees Fahrenheit, and it presents with nonspecific malaise, headache, and fatigue. There are no comas and no seizures. Symptoms may be due to loss of circulating volume caused by heat exposure. In water depletion, symptoms are due to inadequate replacement of fluids. In salt depletion, symptoms are due to inappropriate replacement with hypotonic fluids, such as water or juice. Heat stroke is defined as having a temperature greater than 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Exertional heat stroke usually appears in younger, more active demographics with diaphoretic skin, and the patient may have DIC, AKI, rhabdomyolysis, and lactic acidosis. Non-exertional heat stroke usually presents in older, poor, sedentary, or immobile patients. They typically present with hot, dry skin, an altered mental status, delirium, coma, or seizures. Heat syncope has no specific temperature definitions. However, it refers to syncope due to poor central nervous system perfusion. This may be due to cutaneous and skeletal muscle vasodilation, which shunts blood from the central nervous system to the periphery, and it is worsened by dehydration. In terms of the evaluation and management, remember that a primary and secondary survey with resuscitation should always take place. Make sure to secure the airway if there are seizures or aspiration risk is high, and fluid resuscitation should occur with intravenous isotonic fluids, such as normal saline or lactated ringers. The best diagnostic test is a rectal temperature. The best initial step is anything that helps to cool the patient rapidly. This may include removing any layers of equipment or clothing, performing cold water or ice water immersion therapy, and remember that the goal is to cool the core body temperature 0.3 to 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit per minute until you reach 100 to 102 degrees Fahrenheit. One should avoid antipyretics such as aspirin or Tylenol, the patient should be transferred to a medical facility for definitive care, and if the etiology is exertional, then the American College Sports Medicine Guidelines recommends no exercise for seven days after the event. And lastly, remember that if the patient does not respond quickly to cooling treatment, 
then one should consider other etiologies of hyperthermia. This may include infection or meningitis, thyroid storm, anticholinergic poisoning, and delirium tremens. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to hyperthermia and heat injuries, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 67-year-old man presents to the emergency department with fever and altered mental status. The patient has a history of Alzheimer's dementia and is typically bedbound. His son found him confused with the warm and flushed complexion, thus prompting his presentation. The patient has a past medical history of dementia, diabetes, and hypertension, and typically has a visiting home nurse come to administer medications. Prior to examination, he is given haloperidol and diphenhydramine as he is combative and will not allow the nurse near him. His temperature is 102.9 degrees Fahrenheit or 39.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 104 over 64. Pulse is 170 beats per minute. Respirations are 22 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 100% on room air. Physical exam is notable for dry and flushed skin and a confused man. There is no skin breakdown and flexion of the patient's neck elicits no discomfort. Laboratory studies are drawn and demonstrate a hemoglobin of 15, hematocrit of 45%, leukocyte count of 4,500 with the normal differential, platelet count of 227,000, sodium is 139, chloride is 100, potassium is 4.3, bicarbonate is 24, BUN is 30, glucose is 97, creatinine is 1.5, calcium is 10.2, AST is 12, and ALT is 10. The color of his urine is yellow, and there are absent bacteria, no nitrites, and no red blood cells. An initial chest radiograph is unremarkable. The patient is given 3 liters of Ringer's lactate and an electric fan to cool off. Two hours later, his temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 154 over 94, Pulse is 100 beats per minute, respirations are 17 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 100% on room air. The patient's mental status is now at the patient's baseline, according to the sun. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are, choice 1, exertional heat stroke, choice 2, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, choice 3, non-exertional heat stroke, choice 4, sepsis, or choice 5, septic shock. The best answer to this question is choice 3, non-exertional heat stroke. This patient is presenting with fever, confusion, and signs of dehydration, which rapidly correct when the patient is hydrated and cooled with the fan, suggesting a diagnosis of non-exertional heat stroke. Non-exertional heat stroke tends to occur in elderly patients or patients with comorbidities that do not allow them to properly cool and maintain hydration status. Given the frailty of these patients, they may be unable to hydrate and find themselves bedbound or in too warm of clothing, thus predisposing them to overheat and unable to cool down in addition to an impaired or reduced physiologic reserve. The best treatment for these patients is rehydration, cooling, and proper supervision. The best cooling method is evaporative cooling and fans, such as spraying the patient with water while fanning them, rather than ice water immersion, which is associated with the higher mortality in this group in contrast to a younger population with exertional heat stroke, where ice water immersion is the treatment of choice. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. 
Choice 1. Exertional heat stroke typically occurs in young or active individuals, secondary to increased heat production from exertion, coupled with a warm environment and clothing that impairs cooling. Patients may present with hyperthermia, altered mental status, and hot dry skin, or sweaty skin. Remember that dry skin is not mandatory to make the diagnosis. Cold IV fluids, evaporative cooling, and ice water baths are appropriate cooling methods. Choice 2. Neuroleptic malignant syndrome presents after administration of an antipsychotic with fever, altered mental status, and muscle rigidity, and can be treated with IV fluids, benzodiazepines, and dantrolene. Choices 4 and 5. Sepsis and septic shock typically present with fever, hypotension, tachycardia, and a suspected source of infection. If the patient responds to initial fluid resuscitation, the most likely diagnosis is sepsis. If the patient does not respond to initial fluid resuscitation, they are thought to be in septic shock. A full infectious workup, with the exception of a lumbar puncture, has been performed, and there is no clear source of infection for this patient. Similarly, his symptoms rapidly reverse when he is cooled and given IV fluids, which would not be expected in sepsis or septic shock. Finally, a bullet summary. Non-exertional heat stroke presents in elderly and frail patients with the fever and signs of dehydration secondary to improper cooling mechanisms and poor ability for the patients to care for themselves. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 25-year-old man presents to the medical tent after fainting. He just completed a triathlon and was walking to his car when he suddenly fainted. He is generally healthy and has participated in many athletic endeavors in the past. Physical exam reveals a stable gait with normal strength and sensation. The patient has sweat-covered clothes and appears fatigued but is not confused. The patient states that he feels well currently and denies any other symptoms. Which of the following is the most likely etiology of this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Cardiac dysrhythmia Choice 2. Core body temperature greater than 40 degrees Celsius Choice 3. Cutaneous vessel dilation Choice 4. Electrolyte abnormality Or choice 5. Skeletal muscle breakdown The best answer to this question is choice 3, cutaneous vessel dilation. This patient is presenting after completing a triathlon with an episode of syncope and a subsequent normal neurological exam suggestive of a diagnosis of heat syncope. Heat syncope occurs secondary to cutaneous vessel dilation, which redistributes blood flow from the CNS, thus causing symptoms. Heat syncope typically occurs in athletes after exertion, secondary to the dilation of blood vessels in the skin and muscles. Vasodilation of the vessels in the muscles is necessary for muscle contraction and activity, whereas the dilation in the skin is to cool the body. This redistribution of blood flow, particularly in dehydrated athletes, can cause syncope when insufficient oxygen delivery to the CNS occurs from a lack of blood traveling to the brain. The treatment of heat syncope is to ensure the patient has no traumatic injuries and to encourage rest, cooling, and oral rehydration with an electrolyte balanced solution. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Cardiac dysrhythmia such as complete heart block can cause syncope via poor perfusion of the CNS. Complete heart block would present on ECG with complete PQRS dissociation and requires permanent pacemaker placement to prevent future episodes of bradycardia and hypoperfusion. Choice 2. Core body temperature greater than 40 degrees Celsius would be more suggestive of heat stroke, which presents with a high core body temperature confusion, 
lethargy, rhabdomyolysis, seizures, and end-organ dysfunction. Management involves external cooling, such as with cold water baths and IV fluids with electrolyte replacement. There is no exact temperature associated with heat syncope. Choice 4. Electrolyte abnormality is the most common cause of heat cramps, which present with painful muscle spasms and cramps after a patient has finished exercising. It usually does not occur during. It is thought to occur secondary to electrolyte derangements within the skeletal muscle and should be treated with oral rehydration with an electrolyte balanced solution. Choice 5. Skeletal muscle breakdown is the pathophysiology of rhabdomyolysis, which occurs after prolonged muscle contraction, such as exercise, seizures, cocaine or PCP use, or electrocution. It presents with dark urine, diffuse muscle pains, hyperkalemia, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia. Management involves the administration of a large volume of IV fluids. Finally, a bullet summary. Heat syncope occurs after exertion secondary to dehydration and vasodilation in the skin and muscles, which diverts blood from the CNS. That's all for this review about hyperthermia and heat injuries. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.